Verse 8, he says, Ask your young men, and they will tell you. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we came on a feast day. And so David's basically saying, you know what? We've, we've looked out for you, Nabal, for quite a while. And all we're asking is, while you're celebrating, maybe you can throw a couple lambs our way. You know, so me and the men can eat. It's a very hospitable thing that Nabal should have offered once he heard about it. He should have helped them out. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. In the past, David had performed a valuable service for Nabal, a rich man, by protecting his flocks when Philistine raids were common. But now we see David making a request to Nabal for a generous act of sharing his sheep with David and his men, but Nabal refused. While hiding out in the fields, David and his men performed this valuable service for Nabal and expected to be compensated. However, Nabal's character was proven to be very harsh. His name fits him perfectly because the name Nabal means fool. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's lesson. There it is. And notice that the verse it says, The man was very rich, and often a man's wealth was demonstrated by his livestock. The, the amount of sheep and the goats and the cattle and the servants that they had. And so that's how a man's wealth was uh, measured, really. So this man, Nabal, was a very wealthy man. And, you know, God doesn't have a problem with wealthy people. There's a misunderstanding about wealth in the church. And I think you all know that. But it, it behooves me to say it again. God doesn't have a problem with wealth. Abraham and Isaac and Jacob were wealthy men. They had huge herds. They were wealthy in their days. They had a lot. But it's the attitude of the heart about those things. That's where God has a problem. That's where he has a problem. He's not concerned about our wealth, but our attitude toward it. What does it say in 1 Timothy 6, verse 10? We know this verse. For the love of money is a root a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and they've pierced themselves through with many sorrows. It is a, a root of all evil. Money is not the root. The love of money is a root of all kinds of mischievous and, and evil things. And we know that to be true. It's ironic, but... There are some people who have a problem with wealth, and they're wealthy, and there are those who strive for wealth, and they get it, and they can't handle it. It ends up destroying them. But I've known people who have been millionaires, people that I know that are millionaires, and they don't, you'd never know it by looking at them. They don't have some kind of attitude. They're not spendthrifts. They're, they're careful with their money. They're, they're, they're very different from the world's perspective. 
And God doesn't have a problem, you know, especially if you got it through honest gain. He doesn't have a problem with that. But what about the heart? It's always about the inside, isn't it? God never looks on the outside. He could care less about the outside. It's really what's on the inside. He's always looking at that. That's why Jesus said, you've heard that it was said that if a man commits adultery, you know, then they both shall be put to death. But he says, I tell you, but I say unto you, if a man even looks at a woman with lust in his heart, he has already committed fornication, adultery. It's all about the inside, not about the outside. So in verse 3 it says, The name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife was Abigail, and she was a woman of good understanding and a beautiful appearance. But the man was harsh and evil in his doings. He was of the seed, or of the house, of Caleb. Now this man's name, Nabal, um, the name only speaks of, uh, it not only speaks of, of the fact that, uh, of stupidity, that's literally what the word means, but it's also perversity and moral deficiency. So this was not a good man. He probably got his wealth by ill means. He was hard and ruthless to other people. He was just a scoundrel. I mean, this is, there are people like this in the world, and it's okay to say what they are. You know a fruit by its tree, or you know a tree by its fruit, right? There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, there's something wrong with his attitude, certainly, because this man was very well known to be a scoundrel, and his name even suggested. I wonder what happened when his mother bore him, and he comes out, and they, you know, they cut the umbilical cord, and the midwives are there, and they're cleaning him all up, and they put him in that nice little, same little, you know, um, you know, general hospital blanket that they, you know, multicolored thing that everybody sees in all the Facebook posts, and they hand it to her, and she's like, oh, he's so cute, I think I'll call him... Nabal. <laughs> I think I'll call him stupid. I think I'll call him perverse and moral deficient. And that's actually what he turns out to be. You might want to put a reference off to his name, and I'll give it to you. It's Psalm 14. We're just going to look at the first three verses of Psalm 14. The reason why this is significant is because David Later on, he writes this psalm, and he uses this man's name. The Hebrew word for fool is Nabal. In fact, in the very first three verses, Psalm 14, it says, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none who does good. If you've come tonight to be lifted up in self-esteem, sorry. There is none who does good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who did understand, who, who seek God, and they have all turned aside. That's the answer. They've all turned aside. They've all together become corrupt. There is none who does good. No, not one. Boy, does that just drive the nail further into the coffin of our pride, doesn't it? And the sooner I come to realize that that is the truth about me, the better off I am going to be, and the better off you're going to be. If you know that within you there lies no good thing, that's a good place to start because then you know you need a Savior. Then you know that you are in need of a physician because if you, don't think, you're, if you think everything's fine, then you have no need of a physician. But if I know I'm a scoundrel at heart, if I know that I'm born in sin and I'm continuing in it, then I need a Savior. I need somebody to save me from where I'm going to go if he doesn't intervene. Right? But that word fool is the same exact word, Nabal, Nabal. 
That's what it means. But Abigail, <laughs> this wonderful young lady, her name means my father is joy. And there couldn't be any more, any more opposite. And again, marriages in these days were usually done by fathers. They were prearranged marriages, probably when they were just young kids. Their parents got together and, and brought the two of them together. So she, you know, what does a good girl like that have to do with this scoundrel? Well, it's probably arranged, as most marriages were in that culture in that time. But she was just the exact opposite. She was a breath of fresh air. She was encouraging, positive, moral. She was intelligent. She was prudent, just like my wife, Kathy. Yeah. Sorry, Kath. But she was. She was like a diamond. That's what Abigail was. And notice in verse 3 it says that he was of the house of Caleb. Remember Caleb? What a wonderful man this was. Remember when Moses sent the 12 spies and 10 of the, the spies came back and gave an evil report? But it was Joshua and Caleb that went in and says, we can take this. We can do it. God told us, let's, let's just go and get it on. And God loved those two guys. And Caleb was from the tribe of Jephunneh. He was a, of Judah. He was a faithful man. And so this man, Nabal, came from the house of Caleb. And unfortunately, he didn't have the same character as Caleb. It says, verse 4, that when David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep, David sent his uh, ten young men... And David said to the young man, go up to Carmel to Nabal and greet him in my name. Every year the shepherds would uh, shear the sheep because the sheep would just get these huge coats on them and they would have to shear them. They'd have to get those, all that wool off the sheep. It was cooler for the sheep and then they could use that, uh, the wool for clothing and other things. And so when they did this every year, it was a big deal. It was a, it was a feast. They had a big feast as they were doing this every night, and they would celebrate and eat and drink. And Nabal, we'll see, gets a little too carried away. So David sends ten young men out from the wilderness to go to Nabal. And David said to them, Go up and say, Go up to Carmel to Nabal and greet him in my name, and thus you shall say to him who lives in prosperity, Peace be to you, and peace to your house, and peace to all that you have. Now I have heard that you have shearers, your shepherds were with us. And we did not hurt them, nor was there anything missing from them all the while they were in Carmel. Ask your young men, and they will tell you. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we came on a feast day. Please give whatever comes to your hand to your servants and to your son David. See, David was out in the fields, and they were actually protecting these shepherds. David being a shepherd himself. That was his beginning. That's, he knew very well what a shepherding was all about. And so he sees these, all these sheep and these shepherds. And David and his men were kind to them. And now remember, these guys are on the run. They need food. But did they go after the sheep and even steal one or two from Nabal? No, they didn't. In fact, they were a wall to Nabal's sheep, you know, shepherds and their sheep, protecting them from other bands of robbers and thieves, the Philistines. And so they were uh, uh, helping them. And David knew very well what that was all about. And so, 
Verse 8, he says, Ask your young men, and they will tell you. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we came on a feast day. And so David's basically saying, you know what? We've, we've looked out for you, Nabal, for quite a while. And all we're asking is, while you're celebrating, maybe you can throw a couple lambs our way. You know, so me and the men can eat. It's a very hospitable thing that Nabal should have offered once he heard about it. He should have helped them out. Because as you know, hospitality was a very big deal in the Middle East, still is today. But Nabal was such a scoundrel, he didn't care. There was no amount of hospitality in him whatsoever. He was content on letting David and his men, and he knew who David was. David was a pretty notorious character. He's very well known by this time. So, And we'll see here. It says in verse 9, So when David's young men came, they spake to Nabal concerning all these words in the name of David, and they waited. And then Nadab, or Nadab, Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants nowadays who break away from their master. And shall I take my bread and my water and my meat that I have killed for my shearers and give it to men who I do not know where they are from? And this is really a sham because he really did know. Because David, again, at this time, was very well known. So David's young men turned on their heels and they went back and they came and they told David all these words. And this is just a slap in the face of David. I mean, think about it. You know, you're out there, and, and, and some time has gone by. This is not just like a day or two, okay? David and his men have been watching over these guys and being like a wall to other enemies. And then all David wants is one night just to be fed, you know, just some relief and the hunger. And in that culture, anybody would have said, you know, you got it. You know, you've been helpful to us. We'll give you, you know, how many nights you want. We'll set you up. But Nabal was not going to have any of it. He was just a greedy, greedy, churlish man. So David, verse 13, David said to his men, Every man gird on his sword. And so every man girded on his sword, and David also girded on his sword. And about 400 men went with David, and 200 stayed with the supplies. Again, it seems very strange that David, again, he's not quite right. He's doing a wrong thing now. We've seen David, as he's been running from Saul, not quite in his right mind. You know, when he first slew Goliath, David was riding high on faith, and now we see him not quite acting himself. And this is another one, another episode, another event in his life where he's just, he's not quite all there. He's not thinking it through. He's being led more by his emotions and his feelings rather than faith in God. So it seems strange to us. And he's very angry and he's not, and it was not right what he was doing. And if he was to go through with this, it would be a dark stain on David personally and certainly on when he became king. And David knew that he was going to be king. He didn't know the timing of the whole thing because Saul was still alive and still trying to hunt him. So verse 14, Now one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Look, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, and he reviled them. But the men were very good to us, and we were not hurt, nor did we miss anything as long as we, as long as we accompanied them. When we were in the fields, and they were a wall to us, both by night and day, all the time we were with them, keeping the sheep. So even the men themselves 
are praising David and his men for their uprightness. Now therefore, verse 7, know and consider what you will do, for harm is determined against our master and against all of his household, for he is such a scoundrel that one cannot speak to him. And so here a servant is talking about his master, Nabal. And that was his reputation. He was a scoundrel. Have you met somebody like that? We all have. Somebody just rude. They're just rude, filthy. Literally, it's a son of Belial. Belial is a, is a term that's used, and it's an epithet of Satan. It's a nickname for Satan. He's the son of Belial. And that's what they called Nabal. You know, when a person refuses to listen to the counsel of anybody else, that person is in grave danger, aren't they? When you're not willing to listen to anybody else, that's a bad place to be, very bad. But to listen, to consider counsel, to be accountable, is a hallmark of a truly wise person. Somebody who is wise will listen. They're teachable. They're accountable. Nabal was none of these things. In Proverbs 11, it says, Where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. In Proverbs 15, 22, it says, Without counsel, plans go awry. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Proverbs 24, verse 6, For by wise counsel, you will wage your own war. And in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. But Nabal was of none of that. He wouldn't listen. Are you the type of person that listens? Or are you the type of person that has to figure it out your own way? Remember when you were teenagers? Your mother and your father would tell you something and you say, well, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to go do my own thing. And then you go do your own thing and then the, the, the thing that your father told you was going to happen if you didn't listen to him actually comes to pass. And it usually does. Son, if you do this, this is what's going to happen. No, I can do it better. I'm better. I, I won't even get caught because I'm better than you, Dad. Okay, son, I'll, I'll, when I get the phone call when you're in jail, maybe I'll let you sit in there for a couple nights. Maybe that'll sober you up a little bit. Oh, you've got it, got it covered, wouldn't get caught. But that's the kind of a person who's unwilling to listen. They're not willing to obey. And such as are some of us, even Christians. Are we still stubborn? Are we still willing to listen? Are you willing to listen to somebody younger than you, filled with the Spirit of God? That's a challenge. Somebody who's less mature than you? Some, telling you something you know is right, but because you're older than them, you must have more experience. You must be better at it. You must be more wise than they are. Not always true. I've seen some old people. There's no wisdom at all. And I've seen a 14-year-old demonstrate greater wisdom than a 79-year-old person. It's the truth. It's unfortunate that somebody can live that long and, and still be so, such a mess. It's really a shame. Because by the time you're older, it should be, you should be the wonder of your neighborhood. Because of your kindness. But it says at the very bottom part of 17 there, He's such a scoundrel that one cannot speak to him. He's unable to be spoken to. He's unapproachable, unwilling to learn, very unfortunate. And usually people like that, 
They die bitter, angry, and lonely if they don't change. That's usually the result of it. And you know, sometimes, you know, we need to pray for individuals like that. If you've got some in your life like that, pray for them. And sometimes you need to go right to them and tell them the truth. Tell them the hard truth. But first, you better pray. You better pray before you go and rebuke somebody. Or even, even if you do it nicely in love, pray to get your own heart right and then go tell them that they're a scoundrel. You can do it in a nice way, believe me. I remember those, uh, my mother, I, I, what I'm about to say here, I'm not going to recommend that anybody do, you know, don't do this, okay? Don't do this at home. Don't try this at home. But I remember um, my mother telling me a story. She, she's a retired police officer, and she works in a restaurant. And an old couple came into the restaurant one night, and he was just nasty. Just, I mean, she knew who these people were, and he was just always really nasty. And the wife was very nice and very kind, but the husband was just, he never left a tip, always very demanding, just rotten. And he spoke to her really harshly, and um, he, he, he said something to my mother. And my mother put him right in his place, you know. And, and I mean, she really nailed him right to the wall, you know. He said something, and my mother says, who died and made you king? Something along that line, right? And the lady's like, <gasps> you know, because her husband is this, you know, nasty Nabal type of guy. And, 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 and he got really quiet. He got really quiet. And so, you know, again, I'm not recommending that, but sometimes we need to be assertive and, and tell people, not in that way necessarily, sometimes we need a shot in the arm. We need a kind of a jolt a little bit. For somebody lovingly to tell us, hey, you really need to think about what you're doing. Incidentally, that night after their dinner was, the lady wrote this note to my mother on the the bill. I'm so thankful for you. And she gave her like a really huge tip. You know, nobody's ever said anything like that to him, ever. You know, he's the one barking out the orders. Never, you know. And my mom just kind of laid him out right there. And, you know, her, you know, so anyway, we're going, we're going on, we're going on. So, but in Matthew 7, Jesus said this in verse 15. He said, Beware of false prophets who come in to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. So every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. And such was the case of Nabal. And you know, when you look at her, Abigail, and you contrast Nabal with Abigail, it couldn't be more night and day. You know, she was, had these fruits of the, the fruit of the Spirit happening in her life. You know, she had the love and the joy and the peace, the kindness, the patience, the faithfulness, the gentleness, the self-control, and her husband was just the opposite. Verse 18, it says, Then Abigail made haste, and she took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five sheep already dressed, five seas of roasted grain, 100 clusters of raisins, 200 cakes of figs, loaded them on donkeys, and she said to her servants, Go on before me. See, I am coming after you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal.
I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.